0: Good morning, Inspirata Projector. This is Martha from Martha's Place. I want to tell you thank you so much again for taking time to be on Serenity Sunday. I truly appreciate you. All the best to you always.
1: Oh, hello there. I'm hiding in a hut. Here you can tell. The sign of the cat. Drinking. So, you all have tuned into Inspirato Projecto. Thank you so much, Maria's Place, for inviting me to be on your Serenity Sunday and for talking about extraordinary things. Thank you. What you're about to hear next is an interview with Mike Schley. He happened to be doing some repairs a la. Schneider. Remember one day at a time? He's become the Schneider of Dave Dave Uchansky's building. Dave's sort of the mayor of his building, if you want to call it that. I call it that. I want to call it that. Call him that. Call him that. The mayor. The mayor of of his apartment complex. So we can do here. This just popped in my brain. I'm being quiet why? Because it's 1:17 a.m. on a Monday. 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 I was thinking about this earlier. Halloween scare of your life. Black Pumpkin. Taking place in 2018 with two kids awakening a demon that they never knew existed until too late. Eight, 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 eight. Black Pumpkin. It's a ride for your life. Starring Ellie Patricios, Ryan Poole, Connor Wheel, Kurt Clendenin, David Uchadsky, Ryan McGonagall.
2: White Diamonds. This is one of the things that he said to me too. It was, uh, when, when she came out with White Diamonds, she was about 60 years old at the time. And uh, this is what he told me. He goes, "She, we put her in the hospital for to go there and have this total body makeover so that way she could look really good when she did her premiere thing for White Diamonds. So uh, they were going to do a photo shoot of her. So uh, she was fucked up all the time. Big time drugs. And she was a nympho at the same time. So uh, they had her, after the surgery, had her all healed up and everything. They put her in a bikini, and they were going to do this photo shoot of her. And they had her in a swimming pool. But she was so fucked up that she kept passing out... So they didn't want her to drown. So uh, Lofty gets in the swimming pool with her and holds her up oh. so they could do the photo shoot. And they said they had to do that a lot with Liz Taylor because she was just too jacked up. And if you ever look at like some of those press photos, you can tell nobody's home. So anyway. So she's
3: like a cardboard cutout. People are just kind of like propping her up. Propping and
2: like, her up. Oh right. my God. Photoshopping a smile. Right. Weird. So anyway. So she tells him, hey, I'm hungry. Go get me something to eat. You know, I don't feel too good, blah, blah, blah. And he says, okay. So he takes off. He comes back. What does he find? The publicist and the uh, photographer in the swimming pool with Liz Taylor having a threesome. He comes over. She says, Lofty, come on. Take off your clothes and join in. So he took off his clothes and joined in. This is crazy. Yeah, Liz that, Taylor. That's one of the one of the stories he has. He, uh,
3: How long has he been sending these crazy transcripts?
2: About six weeks now. Wow. Yeah, and I I told him I said I want to write a book. I'll write the book for you. I also want to make it into a script because I think and I already started the script. And what I'm going to do is uh, it's going to start out with him dying, but he's not going to die. He's so they have the paddles out there. They're trying to bring him back to life. Right, and they put the sheet over him, right? And they're walking out, and all of a sudden the EKG thing goes beep, beep, and they come in. He because he, he's, he's going to confess to the priest, that's what I'm gonna have it all about. Is he's going to confess to this damn priest and everything, and this priest is just gonna be shell shocked with all these stories. Oh, that's right? great, right? And then who's he call His friend Kevin, which is John's friend. Right, so I'm gonna have Kevin. Oh my you know, god, where they get the phone call hey, Lofty's dying. Right, so he then they get the, the priest in there, he starts spilling his guts. Right, and then Lofty's asleep. Kevin comes in and they'll say, Yeah, man, uh, you know, I think your friend has like mental illness or something because he has these crazy stories. He goes, Crazy stories, man, let me tell you some, <laughs> you know, and then Kevin will start saying the story, oh that's great you know, and like narrating hey, oh let that's me tell awesome you time that, that lofty did this oh. you know and then the priest is just like then you, you get know. to
3: see like the young the, you get to see the
2: story unfold oh right. god that sounds so, fun so i'm gonna do the whole thing like that and then at the end what happens he dies okay he dies jackson brown shows up stephen tyler shows up all these guys yeah, I'm glad that son of a bitch is So they're dead. all trading
3: stories about just how terrible he was?
2: Right. <laughs> oh my God, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. And he's oh like, my he God. Goes, man, this is going to be great. So that's how the script's going to go. That's awesome. And, then, uh, and I asked Kevin, I said, okay, I need two things from you. Okay. What is the one word? I need two words. One word. What describes Lofty in one word? Okay. And what describes his attitude in one word? Okay. I need both those things. He goes, okay. First one is unfiltered. He has no filters. I go, I love that. Guess what the name of the book's going to be called? Unfiltered. Oh, that's good. We're there.
3: That's good.
2: Right? I said, okay. Now, what made him, what was the big thing about him? He goes, chaos. That's His whole life was <laughs> chaos. Oh, my God. If It wasn't, you know, uh, he gave me the story about the first time he had sex. He met this girl. They were 13 years old, and uh, he rushed her. They were in a meat market. He met her at the store, so he went into the store, went into the meat market, went in the freezer in the locker, and banged her in the locker. That's that's when he lost his virginity. He was in the freezer of a meat market, you know, stuff like that. Some of the stories you just go, what the hell? Because I have a friend of mine that I grew up with. His name, we called him Cheetos. He was a bass player. He played, and, because, uh, you know, I was hanging out with musicians all the time. We were all the meddlers at that time. Cheetos was crazy. Cheetos, playing a gig, he'd light his armpits on fire. Oh my God. And, you know, stuff like that. Oh
3: my God. You
2: know, pull down his pants and like rip a big one and, you know, have a, a flame over there, a big old mushroom cloud coming out of his ass up on stage. I don't know how many times the guy got arrested. Anyway, he ended up making it big over in New York, you know, because he was crazy. Crazy. And now, lo and behold, after all these years, he ended up being a dancer on Broadway. And he was gay. And we had no idea, you know, but it's kind of like the same story with this guy, Lofty. And I'm just like, man. And then the story that Chrisman told me, my friend Jim. And I go, this is, I heard this story from Lofty. He goes, and I heard it from you. So I have validation on this stuff because Jim was right there too. Yeah, because they were together on the tour doing this shit. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Okay, because I knew these stories before I heard them from Lofty. And And then I tell Lofty about them. Yeah, man, how about that time, blah, 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 blah. He goes, how did you know that story? I go, Jim Chrisman? He goes, Jim, Jim, what do you look like? I said, little glasses, about six foot one, blonde hair, really thin. Had a Philadelphia accent. He goes, oh, Jim! Yeah, I remember Jim. Oh, my God. You know, and then he'll tell me stories about what... Because Jim was nuts, too. Yeah. Dude, so you could have it all about
3: these crazy misfits. You know, these guys. And you think about it, like, a guy with the name Lofty. You know, Lofty is this word where it's just very imagination-filled. Very Lofty. Very, like... And it sounds like this guy is very... Like, he just kind of flew by the seat of his pants. It sounds to me like he just kind of went where the wind
2: still does how old is this guy he's now 67 and he's on his deathbed he's dying and he's still living the same way he doesn't care I'm going to go the way I want to go and that's it I'll still be crazy and he is he's still a nut and then uh, you know I want to know what made him tick what made you into what you did Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. you were and he had a crazy uncle and the crazy uncle this back in the early 70s did some stupid shit and taught him everything Taught him everything. Then his mom was a total slut. Yeah, dad was out of the picture. And then, you know, he saw mom over there banging guys and all kinds of weird shit. So he became normal to him. And it's a just an amazing journey. I can't, w- so I'm, I'm working on that with him right That's now. That's
3: incredible. Yeah. So he'll send you the transcripts. And then I'm sure from what you've seen already, you're kind of connecting the dots in your brain. Right. Like, ooh, this would go here and this could be fun I, I'm here. I'm doing it
2: in chronological order. Okay, because that's the best way to do it. You know, when the priest comes in, okay, well, let's start at the beginning. Okay, when I was four years old, I saw my mom over there, you know, getting butt-fucked by some dude, you know. Okay, uh, uncle, you know, those kind of stories. You know, and then it goes back to the first time he got laid, you know, in the freezer, you know, that, that'll be its own chapter right there. You know, right there. Because I, I have one of the chapters I named it. Uh, uh, girls have vaginas. Because that's what, what changed his life was when he found that out. That changed his life. Because then after that, he didn't care about anything else. He just wanted to be the craziest son of a bitch who got laid all the time. And he didn't care if he went to jail. He beat people up. Fight all the time. You know, uh, some of the stories... You know where? Uh, thank God he had friends that actually cared about him because he probably shouldn't have lived several of the times. Yeah, wow. And lo- right there on Hollywood Boulevard. Most of the time it was right there. He grew up in Southgate, but uh, did all his damage here in Hollywood. Oh my gosh. He, had, he was in a band. He was in his, he had his own band and uh, he did all this crazy stuff in the band and then ended up uh, roading for everybody on under the sun. Kiss
3: and Motley Crue.
2: Chris, Kiss, Motley Crue, Aerosmith, uh, Jackson Brown. This is uh, just crazy. I mean, all these people, just yeah. And it's like Jim, my friend Jim. Uh, Jim, Jim, when he was the sound guy, he he was out there with Kiss, Motley Crue. Uh, he did the Barney show. He was the sound guy for the Barney show. One of his best friends on the planet is Brian Setzer. Wow. Yeah. Every time that Brian has a concert, because Brian doesn't do a lot of concerts. He only does like those Christmas specials and whatever else, even though they, he is going out with the Stray Cats again.
3: Wow. Wow. Like, like in the
2: next few months. That's so I'm awesome. Not sure. I have to find out if Jim's going to do that. But every time Brian calls him up, hey, man, you're on board. And he gets him out there. And, and he
3: becomes the sound guy? Yeah. Oh, my
2: God. And at one time, he was working with me. I go, hey, Jim, you know, he goes, hey, man, I got to take off for a couple of weeks. I go, man, you can't take off for a couple of weeks. You know, what, what are we going to do? He says, I don't care. He goes, Brian, call me. He goes, uh, they need me in Amsterdam. Oh, my God. He goes, they're doing a big, uh, big special thing. It's going to be on TV, and they need me to do the sound. Amazing. So, yeah, he says, he offered me 15 grand. Oh, boy. I was like, okay, bye, Jim. <laughs> Have a nice time. Yeah, wow. yeah. He had Jim was amazing. He he ended up screwing everybody, messing up everybody, in the whole industry. And
3: still, he still has these friends who who.
2: <sighs> not anymore, He's losing everybody. That's what. Jim. What, that's well, what's like for instance, Jim. with
3: Brian Brian Setzer, it's like
2: Brian will still. Yeah, he's still okay with. It's Brian. It's crazy
3: right. how, there are those ones who do, m- uh, match up with these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then those are just like, like yeah. you're saying, Jackson Brown, whoever
2: else, they just. Yeah. Jackson Brown can't stand him. Because he did. He blew up their soundboard right before one of the gigs and they couldn't play. And they had to get another soundboard in there. Yeah. Yeah, it was Lofty does did oh some of the shit. I have to I'll send you some of the transcripts. You have to read some of the stuff. When you just read it, you just go, What What? man? What? Yeah, and then Karen. Karen was the nut. That was the love of his life. You know, he's married to somebody else right now, but Karen was his equal. But a female version. Wow. Yeah. He, he said, you know, she, I don't know how many times I'd come home. and she's in bed with three different guys. You know, this is my girlfriend. You know? I go, what'd you do about it? you guys? Joined them. What else can I do? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. That's how he was. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll love this stuff. This is so interesting. Yeah, you got the scoop on this. How
3: cool is that? This untold story? Ernie Kansler sounds like another good one to Ernie do wants a story. To meet on. Me
2: really bad. Because oh, you you haven't met him yet. I haven't met him. Oh my gosh, no, you we're guys are like mates. I already know we're. Yeah, mates. you guys, uh, we're on the same plane when it comes to what's happening in, in the real reality, not what we see, what your eyes don't see. You know. Uh, then I just talked to Gary. Gary's another one. Gary. Gary was the uh, executive producer for Corey Himes' last movie. He's done about eight movies. He's mm. a friend of mine, the Hollywood producer. He wants to do the Anunnaki story really oh. bad. And uh, he had $10 million stashed away to do this recently. And he was bugging me to write the script for it really bad. I named it Anki and the Golden Umbrella. That's the name of it. And uh, it's, uh, it's Indiana Jones meets the uh, Vinci codes.
1: Wow.
2: That's how I'm writing it. So you get all the crazy stuff, but the U.S. government is the uh, the Nazis.
3: So so your buddy has money ready to rock and roll to put out... Uh-oh, what happened?
2: He had it in stocks. A friend of mine... I told you about Joe, Chinese Joe. He's in America. Oh, yeah. Well, they got screwed big time. The company that... Uh, Joe sold his patent to this company for 15 million future shares. Okay? Well, what happened was... They put a freeze on his shares. He couldn't sell, he couldn't do anything with his shares. What they did is they sold the company out from underneath themselves. The CEO and whoever the bigwigs are, gutted the company without Joe getting a dime out of it. And now the company's defunct. The the stock went from $3.80 a share to last time he told me it was two-tenths of a penny. That's how far it's gone down per share. So he basically, uh, his 15 million shares went from being worth, what was it, almost $48 million to being worth about 60,000 because of what they did. And now uh, he got subpoenaed by the US government and he's gonna have to go in October and testify in, in uh, Washington, my friend Joe.
1: Against the, the, company, the that company
2: that did this, yeah. And what he did is they have a law, okay, they have a law that you can only have so much... You can't have that much control in a company. Mm. Because he had 35% as a single entity. You can do it as a corporation. You can do it like that, yeah. But you can't do it by yourself. So what Joe did was he broke up the shares. And, uh, no, I'm sorry, he had 30 million shares. 30 million shares they got for it. He took 10 million for himself. He gave Gary 10 million shares... He was basically running his little corporation, and then put 10 million shares in his sister's account. So that way he wouldn't get busted by the government, mm. by having kind of a monopoly type of thing. So he told Gary, Gary, use that money to make movies. And that's when Gary came to me. He goes, I saw your Mohawk Mike story, because I gave it to his wife. She has a She's a producer. Mm. And she loved it. She took it to Nickelodeon and Disney. Wow. And they're like, make a couple changes, and we like it. That's what they said. Whoa. So Gary read it. He's like, whoa. Because Gary didn't believe I was a writer. I gave him my, my book. And he's like, yeah, you can write a book, but can you write a script? Mm-hmm. Then he saw my script. He's like, oh, you can write a script. Then he came to me and said, hey, please do me a favor. I've been trying for 15 years to write the Anunnaki story. Hollywood says no, because it throw religion in the trash. Oh, boy. And he goes, but if we self-produce it... Hollywood can't say a fucking thing. And I said, Cool. He goes, Got the 10 million shares. Mike, join on board. Come on, let's do this. He goes, I love your idea about making it into the Da Vinci Code. And, uh, you know, he goes, Man, I go, Yeah, it'll be an action adventure. That's what it'll be. And you have the government trying to undermine everybody. Hi. Hello.
1: Hi.
2: You okay? No. You cold? Yeah let see, hold on. let me... Okay. Oh. You're
3: too cold? Hold on, let me... So, let me
2: shut
3: this off. So anyway, all this stuff
2: happened in the last three months. So Gary told me,
1: he says... That won't be as, as cold now.
2: Yeah, he says, put the script on hold. There's nothing I can do. And I go, no, I'm going to keep going with it. I'll get it done. You know, go out there and try to find the money. You know, he just had... Uh, he's trying to do, uh, right now... It's called uh, You've Got the Part. And it's... Uh, I disagree with his format. But he wants it so you could literally go on your phone and uh, audition for a part mm. in a movie off your phone. And then they interview or then they review all the people that are trying out for the part. And then they'll, they'll do callbacks. Mm. Instead of you actually showing up and, and reading for the part, you do it over the phone. Oh. So he's trying to put this together, by go. Gary, you need a lot more than that. You know, anybody can go there and read lines off the phone and make it sound good, but can they actually act? Different story. And he had a he wasted about half a million dollars on that recently. And I told him, I said, Man, make it into a show, put it in a show, and then you say, Okay, here's the carrot at the end of the thing. We have a movie we're doing, and you have to read for the part, and we're going to take the best. Best person for that part for this part. The best person for that part. Mm. Best person for this part. Mm. And then, if you have this show, then you have these people, they're interested in it. They want to see the movie because they see them auditioning the parts. Oh, that's good. And then good. put everything oh. together at the end. And he just, he squandered the money trying to do the online thing. Mm. And I was like, oh, Gary. Then he had he went fishing and he got $10 million to do a, uh, a detective movie. And he got somebody else to write it, and they had uh, they tried to get Wesley Snipes to do it because he's in big trouble with the IRS and everything, oh. so they can get him cheap. <laughs> and he said no. He said I want big money, right? So they got Cuba Gooding Jr. D- to do the part instead, and uh, fell apart again. And he's like, man, I'm almost done, Mike. He says I can't get anything done, you know. And he he does. He you know he's
3: he needs to get get you to write. A story. I mean, you already have stuff written. Like, why can't you just yeah. go? I love what you did. Let's just. I'll. I'll. I'll just go ahead and fund that, and let's. Yeah,
2: he has the money to do it. He just wants to use other people's money. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because you know why? Let somebody else take the risk. Let them do it.
3: I always like that idea, though. Like, if you believe enough in your vision in your project, that's the best kind of gambling you could ever do. Because
2: yeah, uh... that's what David Lean used to do. Dr. Zhivago, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. He'd spent three years putting together the package, doing all the development, have everything done for when he did that movie. Guess who owned the movie? David Lee. <laughs> it was his movie. He made it himself. He wow. did the whole works. He brought in the team, said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And everything was prepared. They, they shot those damn movies in less than two weeks. Wow. Because he spent three years doing all the development. Wow. They knew how everything was going to be shot before it was even shot. You know, that's what John was trying to do with uh, Black Pumpkin. He got so much resistance from Ryan and Shada. And, and, you know, when he, that one day that you saw the storyboards. His storyboards
3: are awesome. awesome. So good.
2: So good. It Tells the whole damn story. Yeah. It's a comic book. You know, you want to nail that stuff before you even go into development. You know, that's part of development. You know, you don't just go in there and say, "Okay, uh, where are we gonna put the camera now?" Mm, mm-hmm. No, you know where that camera's gonna go. You know, when you did your uh, the scene with the couch up there in uh, Ray's loft, you know, he knew exactly where the camera was gonna be, and he knew what Dan was gonna do before Dan even showed up. When Dan showed up, he's like, "Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I got this." You know, that's all the preparation ahead of time. You know, we do that a lot. I sit down with John all the time. We're going through shit like this. You know, I wish you were closer by. Cause Me I'm, too. I'm looking for somebody to do development with. Because we're having a hard time with development. Right what do you
3: mean? Like, for meaning what? For what parts?
2: Okay, this is what we're doing. Is he has one of, uh, he has one of Rick Elfman's, uh, he has the rights to. Re- Trio. Trio.
3: Brilliant. Script.
2: Love it. He has the rights to it. He's, uh, he's going uh, to try to get Richard to direct it, which I think would be perfect. Mm-hmm. He's the one who wrote it, get him to direct it. You know Who knows the story better than he does? Uh, he has another one that's an amazing story. He wrote this back in 1998. He wants me to go through it again. It's a story about uh, the U.S. government back in the 1850s. Thought they were smart. And they brought over all these camels to California, back in the 1850s, and they found out that uh, the California deserts are made out of rock, and camels are used to being in sand, and it hurt the oh. feet like crazy. And these oh. camels became like very rebellious and mean. Oh jeez! No wonder
3: they're stepping on these rocks
2: all day and oof. And they would go kill their riders and oh, everything no. else because oh. they're 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 a violent animal. Oh boy! Right. So anyway. He wrote this story about an Indian girl who gets killed by one of the camels. But way in the past, okay. Lo and behold, what happens? They find the little girl's bones. They find all this stuff in like today's today.
1: Oh,
2: right. And somebody else dies the same way. Oh like boy! By the camel. It's like the murderer came back after a hundred and thirty years. Wow. Type of thing. Well ends up yeah it was a camel but the camel was because there was a crash on the freeway okay and the camel got out cuz it was in this in the, one of those like horse trailers okay and and it's all the frankenstein stuff The lynch mob and the, you know, we're going to get the monster. We're going to get the monster. We're going to get the monster. And and the heroes are the park rangers because they're out there in the middle of the desert. There's nobody else. Oh, my God. And lo and behold, the one park ranger, she goes, okay, I got the monster. And she walks in with a camel. (laughs) And the, the way the story goes, it's just, it's like Fargo. Fargo and Frankenstein mixed together. Oh, that's cool. You know, the way he wrote it. I was like, man this is good. So he has that one that he wants me to go through. Then uh, the football story. I think he told you about that one.
3: No, he didn't tell uh, me about Cumberland football College.
2: story. Cumberland College, in 1916, Cumberland College played Georgia Tech in a football game and lost 222 to zero. Okay. Whoa. It's one hell of a story, and it has John Heisman in it from the Heisman Trophy.
1: Wow.
3: John
2: Heisman was the coach of Georgia Tech. Okay, and the story is unreal because they. They've tried to make the movie three times. Okay, They went to Cumberland College. They had the rights to Cumberland College. They were going to give them the football field. They were going to give them the whole place for free to shoot the movie there because they want the story to be made also. They went to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech said, yes, we're on board too. We want the story made. They had everybody in place. And it fell apart. The funding went away because of the, the financial crisis. Okay? So he... And this story is tremendous because the the main guy who's in charge at Cumberland College ended up working for four different presidents in the White House, so you have this backstory. You have a backstory about this person. Plus, John Heisman. You know how they came up with the Heisman Trophy? Oh, John Heisman was the biggest prick and biggest asshole, right? So, as a joke, for the best football player in the nation they made a trophy of him so it was just an, an inside him.
3: joke the whole time it right. was a big joke this a guy's big a big jerk let's make a trophy, trophy and honor this picture oh right. my god dude okay. so when you win the heisman it's more of like a it's more of a a, a practical joke kind of uh award is basically right, right.
2: that's what it is and yet yeah. people
3: don't even realize they, that that's they have what's
2: no going clue on.
3: yeah it's like he won the heisman mm-hmm. trophy oh my yeah. god
2: and, and, uh, it's so funny. And they tried to pull all these strings, trying to get this, you know, and all the things that they had to do. They stole the uniforms from the local high school because they didn't have a football team. The uh, The president of the university was trying to shut down their uh, athletic program at the time. And he was trying to save it. That's why they scheduled the game against Georgia Tech. Because at that time, there was no athletic director. It was a student body president who was in charge of the athletics. Oh, my God. And that was this guy. His name was George... Uh, George... George, George, I forgot his name, George something. Yeah, but he was the student body president, he, he, so he tried to recruit black athletes. This is 1916, oh, no, 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 you can't have black athletes, you know, because Jackie Robinson was 30 years away, and uh, he ended up getting the announcer to play in the game. He had all these weird people, because he didn't have enough people to play, and they played Why? this game, and they ended up getting their butts kicked 20, 222 to 0, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's a great story. And he had everything, you know, that's one of the stories. Then he has, uh, those are, he has six. And then I have my six. So we have 12 together, plus I have eight more in here. Oh my God. That I haven't even started yet. Oh my God. Well, I've started every one of them. I've done like the first three or four pages. Just so I know where it's going. Oh, that's good. The stories here. Then this guy, Kevin, Lofty's friend, and matter of fact, I need to talk to Kevin about this. John says, I got a good one for you. I said, What? He goes, Kevin got invited to a birthday party. I said, So? He goes, Guy's been dead for two years. I went, Oh, man. And he goes, I knew you'd do that. I knew you'd do that. And I go, Instead of two years, it's 12 years now. (laughs) It's 12 years now. And now there's five people. And this woman, she's dying.
3: Oh my God. Okay,
2: And she's going to invite these people, a mistress, his best friend in school, his business partner. And they're all going to go to this house. Okay? And she's going to find out which one of them caused the most damage to him during his lifetime. Oh boy. Before she passes
1: whoa
3: it's gonna be
2: this agatha christie type of thing wow all in one house with six people maybe a butler
3: wow yeah
2: and you can do it on like no budget at all because all they're doing is talking inside the house yeah like the breakfast club Ooh, i I love it i'm gonna do it like the breakfast club so and uh yeah
3: that's cool so that
2: that's that's one of the stories that i have in the in there Fatal, uh, Final Instinct—the one that I sent you a couple months ago. Oh, 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 oh! Oh, that that one's that one's amazing. Oh my that's god! to there because it's it's all going to tie into a video game. Oh
3: god, that's so good. That is so good. Yeah. Is so because good. the
2: guys are going to go, oh my god! Everything that's happening right now is in the video game. What the hell? You oh know, my and, you, god. and you have this whole thing going on. You have like this like video game culture that's like jumping in and saying, "What the hell's going on?" You know, they're they're mimicking the video game. You know, and all this stuff, and then his mom is like the the main person. And what I did the opening scene, I turned Alexa into Chucky. That's great. That's how I started. The first six pages is this crazy ass thing where Alexa's over attacking the this lady and her boyfriend.
1: Oh my god! But, but they're
2: in their twenties at the time. Then it, then the whole thing goes back. You know, from night. 2018 to 2047 oh my god all the the robotic era the suppression everything you know uh flying drones you know all the cgi stuff that would have to go in 2047 and, and have it all tie in with the video game oh my god final extinction incredible that's the name of the video game oh my and, god. and the way i put it all together and john's like oh my god mike i said he goes, that's one of those 200 million dollar ones. I said, I know. What are we going to do with it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, he goes, write it. And I says, it's here. I got to do it. You know, yeah. We yeah, got to
3: you know. fi- I I saw on, I saw online today on Twitter there's this guy who said uh he's a film financier. And I so I sent a, you know, a message I I sent him the trailer, the Black Pumpkin trailer. And I okay. said, uh are you so you're a financier, I noticed on your thing what are you th- do you like horror films and stuff like that he's like oh contact me at the office and i'm like at the office and i looked on his twitter account and there was something for it was called uh tele canada or something like that well i ended up finding out that he they financed movies in in canada this uh this th- th- this company yeah. and so then it started getting me thinking like okay i know two girls from last year's kapow who live in canada my buddy Jimmy lives out in Canada. And I'm thinking like, and I already start thinking of ways like in my brain of like, okay, I know these actors live out there. What would be a way that we could get this, you know, get well, a yeah. movie going out there, get the financing going for that? Toronto.
2: Toronto's the new Hollywood. <sighs> Toronto and, uh, and Atlanta. Man. Yeah. The, the films that are being made in Toronto, so much cheaper than doing it here. And they just, and you have all the, all the people there. It's just like Hollywood over in Toronto now. Same with Atlanta. You go to Atlanta, you don't need Hollywood anymore. Hol- Hollywood's become a shell of itself. It really has. The Arabs have taken over. Yeah, I hate to say Well, that. this is the
3: thing that I noticed, is that, um, well, Hollywood used to be the, the center, like, this was the only place to go for the entertainment, everything. This is it. But as more and more power is taken away, more and more of that... Monopoly is taken away from the big wigs. From yeah. you know, oh, you can only shoot a movie if you have this studio or that studio. Well, now, guess what? There's this, there's that camera, the Black Magic, I keep reading about. It's this beautiful, beautiful, it's like a four or five thousand dollar camera, but whoa, it's like crispy, it's this 4K quality, really, really good, yeah. which an everyday person can have. So, if you live in freaking Nebraska, if you live out in Wisconsin, you can actually shoot movies and you totally do not need
2: any.
3: You don't need Hollywood. You don't don't need need these big. It's it's beautiful. It's so exciting.
2: It's a new renaissance. This whole thing, you know, especially with now Netflix and Hula and now Disney jumping on board and uh, Prime and everything else. It's a new renaissance. You know, when you when Netflix says that they're going to spend eight billion dollars on new content in two thousand eighteen,
0: and you see it all over the
2: billboards. You know, they're coming out with show after show after show movie after movie after movie and they're funding all this stuff because they're building their library that's all they're doing you know Disney they or uh, you know when uh, uh, Turner bought out uh, MGM grant or uh, MGM that's how they started the Turner uh, movie Network or mm. movie channel they bought out uh, MGM so they bought the whole catalog of movies now you have a you don't have to pay royalties you don't have to pay shit you own everything you know, Disney's doing the same thing. They're, they're trying to buy Paramount right now. Disney wants to buy Whoa. Paramount's whole library. Okay, NBC, that's the reason why NBC bought Universal Studios So for their library. They can care less about the tour. Look at the money they're going to make off all of those old movies. Every time Frankenstein's on TV, they get a paycheck. You know, 1931. You know, and that's how it works.
3: I'm so surprised you don't see a hell of a lot more crossovers with these... with these things. You know, a lot more crossovers. You know, uh, like whatever TV shows that NBC has, why doesn't Frankenstein just go ahead and show up? Why doesn't The Mummy show up? Why doesn't Dracula? You know, like, why not utilize that? You know, it seems so crazy to me that they're not, that that isn't something they've tried to do yet.
2: They're afraid. John and I talk about this all the time. It's pure fear. That's why they're bringing back Magnum P.I., and they're bringing back Charmed, and they're bringing back you know, all this stuff that worked before, they just reboot it as something else, and they just throw that name out there because the name sold before, and they're afraid. They're purely it's afraid. It's a sure
3: bet, so to speak, right? right. Yeah.
2: Because yeah. all those old people, like Hawaii 5 when that came out, and I just went, really? It's not even like Hawaii 5 You're just stealing the name and shooting this thing in Hawaii. Okay. Magnum P.I. is a Mexican dude now.
3: Well, he doesn't even have a mustache.
2: Yeah, he a mustache. <laughs> the dude doesn't even have yeah. his mustache. Like, like, Come like, on, guy. Yeah. You know, now they're bringing back Charmed. Okay? Come on. You
3: know what's so funny? It's like they'll rely on those. It's like they're resting on their laurels on these for sure things mm-hmm. until they see someone else out there take a risk and it becoming phenomenal, and them going, ooh, and now they're salivating, and now they're going, oh right. gosh, w- w- what can we do now to to compete with that? Oh gosh, they're doing they're doing Westworld over there. Oh, what can we do? You know. So then all of a sudden they're like, it- it's it's weird, it's so strange to see how that how that stuff works. Yeah. And it's usually the a lot of times it's the independent films that are that are doing that. It's the people who don't have the money. because yeah. when you when you're low on funding, the creativity's really stretches. It and does. So uh, you could do some really clever stuff like that, and I think like when when these companies see, like for instance, a kid on YouTube who's got his own channel and he's ma- he's got three million viewers and he's making all this money, they're going, hmm, uh, we didn't make that enough that that amount of money on the last film that we did yet. Here's this little six year old playing video games making all this money. What are we doing wrong? Oh, I know what we need to do now. We need to make movies that are more. YouTube-looking. Let's make them more YouTube-looking. Yeah. Maybe that's where the secret is. Oh, yeah, okay, guys, get on that. You know, it's like... Yeah. It's, it's so weird. It's so strange when you can see...
2: Wreck-It Ralph.
3: I have not seen that yet.
2: Wreck-It Ralph. Watch Wreck-It Ralph. That is the epitome of what you're talking about. You know, it, it is. It's basically a kid that goes into a video game. But it's animated. And the video game talks to him about what's going on and blah, blah, blah. You know, and you just go, whoa okay.
3: Well so it's like in a sense it's an educational it, like it's no, showing no,
2: it's like is it like a they YouTube. live kind of thing? It's like oh. going on YouTube and watching somebody else playing video games.
3: Oh because
2: that's a big thing now.
3: Yeah uh, it really is, it totally is. Huge. Yeah. You know,
2: like the 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 Madden tournament where those two kids died. That was all streamed online. You can sit there and watch it. My daughter's boyfriend she has a boyfriend now legitimate boyfriend he's a good guy oh good good no problems with him love him to death that's what he does he plays video games for money he goes he plays in these tournaments incredible he's, he's online you can watch him play and he's there and he, he has a microphone headset and he's, he's explaining incredible. everything he's doing and people he, he has I forgot how many thousands of followers he has and then they pay him because he has so many followers incredible yeah. and he, he has an income he makes about 1800 bucks a month 17 just years old. Just playing video games. Playing video games. So sometimes Sam will go there and she'll tell me. She goes, Dad, I, you know, I wanted to go see Tanner but you know he's working. I go, okay. I go, well, go see him anyway. You can sit there and watch him play video games just like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what he does.
3: It's interesting how just that act of watching someone else do something there's something comforting about that like it, yeah. it's it, strangely enough that it's, it's become that way you know like reality television just people just watching just people just live their lives yeah. or uh the Good. TV show Big Brother and they get their 24 hour you know they pay a subscription to see it stream 24 hours, hours. A, and yeah. go on there and go oh i see the people sleeping was it oh like, look at Ed, that
2: and Ed tv wasn't it TV? oh yeah oh yeah yeah TV, when they did a movie on that
3: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah where the, and it's like it's yeah. so interesting it's becoming this thing of like
2: instead of living your own life because nobody leaves their doors anymore everybody's inside their house you can't afford to do anything you can't go to a movie it costs a hundred bucks to go to a movie and take you and your date You know, uh, what gets me is I love watching the uh, sporting events there's nobody in the stands
3: wow, interesting not a
2: lot of people in the stands StubHub Center my mom lives right across StubHub Center took a bus over there during the uh, one of the uh, preseason Chargers games. It was $180 for parking. What? $180 for parking. Just to park? 180 bucks for parking.
3: Was it more than to, to buy a ticket to see the thing? Yeah.
2: But if you want the preferred parking, next to the stadium, it was $180 for parking. If you park two miles away, it was 50 bucks. Oh you, my know, this God. Is is you know, this is capitalism and it's worst. You know... Here you have—they're playing in a stadium that holds 32,000 people, and they're only getting 18,000. What's that telling you? Your prices are too high. <laughs> yeah. God, but it's, it's yeah. But it's crazy. But it's—it's that way, you know. Shoot the, the uh, kidada, my sister's girlfriend. She's gay. She told me, she says, "Mike, hurry up and make some money off one of all your scripts because I really want to go see LeBron James at play in a Laker uniform." But the cheapest tickets for the nosebleed seats are 185 bucks. That's the nosebleed seats. And she says, I can't afford it. And I said, no, nobody can. All goes back to, you were in Chicago. Uh, Michael Jordan, when they opened up the United Center. That's what it all came down to. Was when they were playing at the old Chicago Stadium, right? And then they built the United Center. And... Uh, it was funny because I had a job offer at that time to, to move to Chicago. Oh wow! And part of it was a great offer. They offered me to they were going to buy my condo. Wow! They were going to buy my condo. They they were going to give me two season tickets that were fourth row from the floor of Michael Jordan's Bulls. Wow! And they were going to pay me one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. Holy cow! North Chicago, right on uh, Lake Michigan. It was in the middle of winter, and I said no. But anyway, when I when I looked at those tickets, there wasn't one ticket when they opened up the United Center that was available to the everyday public. Real quick, would
3: you like some more wine? Oh. oh wait, you got
2: to get your phone, right? Or no? Yeah, i got to get my phone. i got to the switch. Oh, Do you, you want to talk to me?